know this about Crossroads because you're here, you're watching, or maybe you're kind of newish. But uh, in case you don't know, Crossroads is like one really big faith-filled family that is filled with believers and followers and seekers and doubters and encouragers and uh, forgivers. And so we're just one big family. And sometimes we got stuff going on in our lives that spills onto our family members. But ultimately, we're in this together. And uh, I'm happy to be with you uh, together, even if it be just online. Uh, I, I trust you're safe and, and, and warm. So I want to welcome all of you to the final part of the Christmas, the Gift of Christmas series. And I cannot believe uh, that Christmas is over. Uh, some of you, your thoughts are already beginning to drift towards New Year's and thinking about what you're going to do there. Some of you have already started packing away your Christmas ornaments and decorations. You're even like multitasking. You're doing that while uh, you're watching the service. And then some of you like looked at the lights on your house and how cold it was and thought, you know what? These are going to be my year-round lights now. So uh, kudos to you. Uh, so I always find the day after Christmas personally to be kind of sad for me. I mean, the anticipation is gone. The Advent countdown is over. Uh, I mean, there are no more Christmas movies to watch. There are no more surprises under the tree. And the all-Christmas radio channel is back to playing like country or whatever uh, that is. And I just want to say sincerely... I will miss you, all Christmas radio channel, with all of my heart. So um, when you listen to Christmas music on the radio or on your playlist, uh, there's quite a few Christmas songs that we hear um, that speak to this desire to keep the spirit and heart of Christmas going all throughout the year. So I just want to read you a few lyrics from a couple of my favorite. One is by Elvis Presley, and it's called, If Every Day Was Like Christmas. And here's what he sings. And he asks this great question, oh, why can't every day be like Christmas? Why can't that feeling go on endlessly? For if every day could be just like Christmas, what a wonderful world this would be. I love that. I love that longing to just kind of keep it going. But I think my favorite Christmas song that speaks to this is one done by Ray Charles, and it's called The Spirit of Christmas. And you can't find it on iTunes or Amazon. It's really disappointing, but you can YouTube it. Uh, and it's actually a song from my favorite Christmas movie that I watched uh, just yesterday, and that is National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. And here's some of the lyrics to this song. Ray Charles says, I was sitting by the fireside, taking a walk through the snow, listening to a children's choir, singing songs about Jesus and the blessed way that he came to us. And then he asked this great, great question. He says, why can't it remain? Why can't it remain all through the year, each day the same? That's what I want to hear. It's truly amazing, the spirit of Christmas. So that's the question. Why can't it remain? And the it is the spirit of Christmas. It's the spirit of what Jesus did for us. So Christmas is the story of Emmanuel, which is an Old Testament word that was ascribed to Jesus before Jesus even came. That Christmas is the story of uh, God is Emmanuel, that Jesus is with us, that God would send his son for us. 
and that he just he sent him for us because God is for us. Like he really loves us. He likes us. And he didn't want to leave us alone. So the Christmas spirit is is really when God would send himself through his son Jesus to earth so that Jesus would be born so that you and I can be become born again which is this really big Bible word we see show up in the Gospel of John, that he was born so we could be born again, that we could experience new life, a new way of doing life, new hope, new purpose, a brand new identity in Jesus. And why can't that remain? I want that to remain. I know you want that to remain as well. Do you know... (laughs) Uh, what a, cu- a couple of the big problems facing nonprofit organizations each year. One of their big problems is they don't know what to do with all the volunteers that they receive between the months of November and December. They don't know how to even use them all because they have so many. And then these same, many of these same nonprofit organizations don't know how they can keep on doing what they are designed to do because of how few volunteers they have between January and and October. That sometimes, accidentally, I think, the spirit of Christmas, the spirit of generosity and of giving and of gratefulness can begin to fade a little bit like today, like on December 26th, the day after Christmas. And I don't think any of us mean for that to happen, but in a culture that values quickly moving on from one thing to the next, we can quickly lose spirit of Christmas. But the question remains, why can't the spirit of Christmas remain with us all throughout the year? And why is it so important that it does? So again, when I say the spirit of Christmas, I don't mean shopping or hurrying or annoyingly singing Christmas songs in June. No, when I say the spirit of Christmas, I mean the heart of Christmas. I mean the Jesus part of Christmas. So see, if you've received... God's free gift of salvation that comes from believing in Jesus, the Christmas story is now a part of your origin story. The Christmas story is now a part of my origin story, meaning what has happened in your life, the forgiveness and salvation and transformation, it has happened because of what happened 2,000 years ago in the little town of Bethlehem that the Christmas story is a part of your origin story. It's a part of my origin story, and it's the part of everyone's story who's come to believe in Jesus as their Savior. So your story and my story is a gift. It's this beautiful gift that is meant to be shared all throughout the year. So at the very end of this message, I'm gonna need your help. I've gotten some help from some of you already that are at home. But you're going to get a chance a little bit to share real briefly a part of your story because it is powerful and it is significant and it has been impacted by the Christmas story. So here's kind of the big, big idea for today. Yes, we can start boxing up our ornaments. We can start taking down our lights. We can start taking apart our tree. But let's keep the spirit of Christmas alive by never boxing up our story by never being silent about what Jesus has done or is doing in us, through us, or for us. Let's never pack that away. Let's not put that in a box. Let's not stay silent about that. See, you have a story. 
You have a story, and it is big, and it is wonderful, and it is beautiful. It's a story of something God has rescued you, you from. See, if you're a follower of Jesus, if you're a believer in Jesus, a disciple of Jesus, you can put something at the end of either one or all of these sentences. And I just want to read them along with you. Jesus has helped me overcome. Some of you can put something at the end of that sentence. You can fill in the blank. Jesus set me free from. Jesus walked with me through whatever it is. Jesus answered this prayer. Jesus gave me this. Jesus spoke or revealed to me, or in Jesus I have found if you're a follower of Jesus, you have a story. You can put something at the end of one or maybe even all of those. I can put something at the end of all of those. Jesus has helped me overcome being a people pleaser. Jesus has set me free from anxiousness. Jesus helped walk me through my lost high school and young adult years. Jesus answered my prayer that my family could find and purchase a home that we love last year. Jesus has given me deep and meaningful purpose. Jesus has revealed to me that my thoughts and my ways are not always like his thoughts and his ways. And in Jesus, I have found life abundant. Life abundant. So you have something powerful to put at the end of one or all of those sentences. You have a story and it is worth sharing. And I know some of you may be thinking to yourself right now, Boy, do I have a story, <laughs> and I bet you do. You can talk about like, oh, man, do I have a story. Man, Jesus rescued me from some enormous stuff. And some of you, when you share your story, people have big eyes, and they're going, oh, my gosh, right? And that's awesome that you have that story, and it's big, and it's wonderful, and it's beautiful, and it's powerful, and God wants you to share it. But then some of you may be sitting here thinking about your own story, what you'd put at the end of that sentence, and it seems to pale in comparison to maybe another story you've heard. You just feel like, you know, my story's not all that grand. It's not all that epic. I don't have these deep, deep chasms or these really high, high monumental mountaintop experiences. You're, you kind of feel like your story's a little bit more like this. And I wanna, just want to tell you right now, that thought is not how God thinks about your story. The way you see your story is not how God sees your story because every story is wonderful. Every story is valuable. Every story is significant because God is the author of all of our stories and he is valuable and he is significant. So don't let the enemy or don't let your own personal thoughts get in the way and, and tell you right now, well, my story is not much to say. No one would be impressed with, with my story. It is simply factually not true because God is the author who's written your story and he's written my story and he's amazing and he is wonderful and he is beautiful and he is powerful and so too is your story and so too is my story. And whenever we share our story, it's an act of worship to God because it, it just honors him and worships him. Uh, but it's also an act of evangelism for those who feel far from God or who are living far from God. So your story, whenever it's told, brings God glory. And glory just means it just makes, just lifts God up and it says, God is awesome. He's an amazing author. Look what he's done in my life. Look how he's rewritten my story. Look how he's brought me redemption. You know, whenever you and I get a chance to share about some of the bad things that God has saved us from, we make God look really good. And whenever 
it comes, when it ever comes to like making Jesus look really good, there are few people that did that better than a guy named John. So I want to talk to you for a few minutes about a man named John. You may know him as, he's kind of notably known as John the Baptist or John the Baptizer. Um, He was kind of known by what he did the most. And if we still kind of named people like that today, I would be like Adam the pizza eater. Maybe you would be Lisa the Instagrammer, or maybe you would be Tom the always finds a way to steer every conversation back to politics, whatever it may be, right? We all have like whatever we could put at the end of that. But he was John the Baptist, John the baptizer, because he baptized a lot of people. Some of you have been water baptized, and John uh, did a lot of that. So if you were in week one of this series, the first part of this series, and if you weren't, you can always go back onto YouTube and watch part one. You'll remember we talked about the story of Zechariah and Elizabeth, and we called them Zach and Liz. And they were a very, uh, let's say, um, old couple. They were advanced in age. They got discounts a lot everywhere they went. I don't know the best way to say that. Let's just say they were really, really old. And they had spent their entire marriage dealing with infertility. They were not able to have kids. And we cannot understate how painful infertility was back then and is today. Extremely painful. There is just no doubt that Zach and Liz would have been dealing with feeling judged by others because they couldn't have kids and maybe even forgotten by God. This was painful. This is what they were going through. Now, so we know at Christmas is the story of a miraculous birth, and it's Jesus, and that's what Christmas is all about. But at Christmas, around the first Christmas, it's actually the story of two miraculous births. One, of course, is Jesus, but the other one is from Jesus's cousin, John, John the baptizer, as he would later become, who was born about six months prior uh, to his cousin, Jesus, by this older couple, Zach and Liz. And I want to read you John's origin story. We read this in week one, but I want to reread it again. Here's what it says in the Gospel of Luke. While Zechariah was in the sanctuary, and this is so dramatic, an angel of the Lord appeared to him. Can you imagine how scared he must have been? Standing right, standing to the right of, uh, of the incense altar. So uh, Zechariah is doing his temple work, and all of a sudden an angel shows up. Zechariah was shaken and overwhelmed which is with fear, which is a pretty reasonable experience when someone just shows up in the room. But the angel said, don't be afraid. Whenever someone meets an angel, that's like the first thing the angel says is, don't be afraid, Zechariah. God has heard your prayer. They've been praying for decades to have a kid. And he says, your wife, Elizabeth, will give you a son, and you are to name him John. And he wasn't John the baptizer just yet. He was just John the soon-to-be big baby. He was just going to be a baby. And so he says these words to Zechariah. It's so powerful. And then it goes on to say in Luke 1, 17, and, and it speaks to his purpose. He will be a man with the spirit and power of Elijah. Elijah was this powerful Old Testament prophet you can read about in the Old Testament of your Bible. And he was gonna come with the same kind of spirit and the same kind of purpose and the same kind of power. And he, get this, this was his purpose. His purpose will be to prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. He wasn't coming to prepare anybody for you know him. He was there to help prepare people for Jesus, his cousin that would just be born six months after him. What an amazing responsibility. What an amazing purpose that John had 
to share. Can you imagine what John's childhood was to, must have been like? Uh, can you imagine the stories that were told and retold every year around the same part of the year at John's birthday? I mean, you could just picture Zach at his birthday going, hey, I was in the temple. The angel shows up. I'm totally terrified. He says that Elizabeth, your mom is going to have a baby, and I can't believe it. And when I say I can't believe it, I mean, I literally don't believe it. So the angel like mutes me for like nine months. The angel makes it to where I can't speak. And then can you imagine being Elizabeth? And then she tells the story from like her version of it. And she's like, there I was. I was way old. My husband comes home from the temple and it looks like he's wanting to play a continual game of charades, which I find really, really annoying. And I try to ignore him. But then I realize after like three days, he can't talk to me. And then Zachariah like writes down on something and hands it to me and says, you're gonna have a baby then an angel told me, you're going to have a baby. And Elizabeth's like, I, I couldn't believe what he wrote to me. And I couldn't believe it until I started having hot flashes and, and morning sickness and food cravings and retaining water. And I, actually, I don't know what happens during the whole pregnancy thing, but maybe all of that was happening for Elizabeth. So they're telling these stories every year around his birthday. But then can you imagine being John? There's John. John knew he was a miracle baby in a sense that there was only one way his parents could have gotten pregnant, and that is because God answered their prayer. Every year around his birthday, they would gather around and tell the story once again. And I bet as John grew older and people would ask him, hey, so tell me about yourself, that John would share this story that he couldn't remember because he was just a baby, but... He could say, you know what, my dad, Zachariah, and you know what, my mom, Elizabeth, and you know what, here's what they told me. Here's what happened. G John knew that his life was like this precious gift. And I think sometimes you and I can forget that, that that's true about us as well, that our lives are a precious gift. So get this, today, millions, if maybe, maybe not even billions of people around the world have heard of John. They've heard of John the Baptist. And they've heard about him because people kept telling and retelling and writing down his story. And it's powerful. People, I mean, the ripples of his story are still changing our lives, all around the world changing people's lives. Well, and John, he welcomed every opportunity to tell his story. And whenever he told his story, it was always to help point people back to Jesus. So before I share with you what John said and did, I want to share with you what was said about John. And it's found in the Gospel of John, which is written by a different John, one of Jesus' disciples. And it says this, God sent a man, John the Baptist. This is his purpose, to tell about the light. I loved at our Christmas Eve service, if you were here, you got to see all the candles being lit. And I just stared at my candle and I was like, Jesus is the light. No matter how dark it is around me, Jesus is the light. And I just stared at my candle Christmas Eve and just kept saying that to myself. It says, he came to tell about the light so that everyone might believe because of his testimony. John himself, I love this, he was not the light. He was simply a witness to tell about the light, the one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone who is coming in to the world. So John, his entire life, his actions, his words, his deeds was all about letting other people know about the light 
John was a light, but he knew he was not the light, but he let his light shine. He just let his light shine in the best way John knew how to do that. See, John was a witness, and he testified. That's what a witness does. A witness testifies, and he testified by sharing his testimony, which is like a church word for sharing his story because he had a powerful one. So here's one example of how John felt compelled by God to share his story. It's found in John 1, verse 15. Here's what it said. John testified about him when he shouted to the crowds. John was big and bold. He was not shy. He shouted to the crowds, this is the one. Jesus was walking by. He's like, this is the one I was talking about when I said, someone is coming after me. And I love this. Who is far greater than I am, for he existed long before me. I love how John didn't make life about him. He made it about his Savior, his Messiah. So John actually at this point is gathering large crowds. He's getting famous He's kind of getting what deep down, like, I think a lot of us kind of are hoping we could find notoriety, followers, some fame, people know our name. Well, that's all happening to John. Huge crowds are coming and coming and coming, so big that the religious leaders of John and Jesus's day begin to go, somebody should check out this guy and find out if he's even legit. What is he? Is he the Messiah? Let's go find out. So they send people to John to interrogate him because John is getting really famous really, really quick. So they send some men to John, and here's what they say to him. The Jewish leader sent priests, an assistant priest from Jerusalem, powerful people from a powerful holy city, to ask John whether he claimed to be the Messiah. You know, because, you know, in our culture, when we get big and famous, it's all about us. I am. I, I'm not, my everything. And so they're going, John, are you really everything? Tell us, who do you claim to be? And I love John's answer. It says, he denied it flatly. He said, I am not the Christ. Well, then, who are you, they said. And they asked, are you Elijah? And he's like, nope. That, are you a prophet? Nope. See, John knew who he was, but equally important, John knew who he wasn't. I want to be more like John because I've spent a lot of my time not really knowing who I am and who I'm not. So I don't know who I am, but then I embrace things that I think I am that aren't even true. See, John was really good at knowing what to say no to. Are you Elijah? No. Are you a prophet? No. See, we need to get better. I need to get better in knowing what to say no to. Are you pathetic? No. Uh, are you just a loser sinner? No. Uh, can you not come to church anymore because you've been divorced? No. Is your identity simply what you've done in the past? Uh, a resounding no. Is your current suffering the end of your story? No. Are you the center of the earth? No. Are you the smartest person in the room? No. No. I mean, it is so important that you and I know what we need to say no to. And John, John was just so good at this. So then they said to him, then who are you? Tell us so we can give an answer to those who sent us. What do you have to say for yourself? So this is John's perfect opportunity to talk about himself. What do you have to say about you? And he replied, I am a voice 
from a barren wilderness. Not super great, right? Just I'm a little voice in this barren wilderness shouting as Isaiah prophesied, get ready for the coming of not me, the coming of the Lord. He's talking about Jesus. <laughs> I love this about John. John was a voice. And what, I, what I'm learning from this is that I'm a voice, and you're a voice, and our voices are going to sound different, and, and we may not be as loud or bold as John, who would just shout things out to people in crowds. We don't have to be that kind of voice. We are a voice. <laughs> and I love how John used his. We may not all be polished or articulate, but here's the thing when it comes to sharing our story. God has never asked us to compare our stories. He's asked us to share our stories. Because when we compare our stories, we can feel bad. My story's not as great as your story. Or, man, their story's so much grander. That No, 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 no. God has never commanded us to compare stories. So we don't compare. We share. We share them. And we just go, God, thank you that you've written my story and that you're, you still have your pen. And you're still writing it out. You're still writing it out. See, I don't have a miraculous birth story like John. You may not either. Maybe you do. Maybe your parents, the doctor told them, you're never going to be the ha have kids, and you're the, you're the miracle answer to that. But a lot of us don't have miraculous birth stories. But here, if you're a believer in Jesus, let me tell you this. We all have a dramatic, miraculous rebirth story. We all have a miraculous rebirth story that is worth retelling because God has saved us. Because when we put our faith and trust in him, for what he did for us when he would grow up because he was born to die and he would die on a cross for the forgiveness of our sins. And when we look to him and we put our trust and hope and faith in him, he brings us salvation. He brings us forgiveness of sins. He begins a process of transformation in our lives, a renewing of our minds and the way we see the world and the way we see one another and the way we see ourselves when we look at ourselves in the mirror. We all have a miraculous rebirth story and it is worth retelling. So this is how we keep the spirit of Christmas going all throughout the year. It's by remembering the Christmas story is a part of your story. The Christmas story is a part of your story. The Christmas story is a part of my story. So how do we keep that all throughout the year? By sharing it, by telling about it, by looking and praying and asking God for opportunities to share but also being the kind of person that asks others to hear their story. Because when you hear their story, it just, it makes God look so good that you can't help but feel better. And here's what, here's what you need to know when it comes to sharing your story. When you're sharing it, it's not about you trying to look or sound good in front of others. It's about you making Jesus look and sound really good to others. And you can do that while stumbling over your words, or you can do it incredibly articulate. It doesn't matter. The point is sharing it. The Christmas story is a part of our story, and our story isn't done on December 26th. We don't pack that away. We don't put that away. We don't take that down. We don't box that up. When we get done singing Silent Night, we don't just stop being silent about the story God has written in our lives. And this is a real challenge to me because I'm going, God, I want opportunities to share my story, but I can already feel some nervousness about it. Like, oh, what are they going to think? Oh, what could someone say? 
That's where the faith and trust comes in. Because we just don't believe in Jesus once and trust in him once. We do it every day from that day when he first started writing our story. Jesus was God's gift to the whole world at Christmas, and we are Jesus's gift to our world today. When John came, he came to prepare people for Jesus's coming. And Christians today are to live their lives preparing the world for Jesus's second coming. And one of the ways we do that, one of the ways we, we find victory and maintain freedom is by sharing our story. Here's what it says in the book of Revelations. They defeated him by the blood of the lamb and by their testimony, their story, for they did not love their lives, but laid them down for him, the him being Jesus. They defeated him. See, we have a shared enemy and we don't need to fear him because we have a shared author who's writing your story and writing my story. So share it. Let me ask you this. How is God writing your story? When you look around, do you see anyone who needs to hear how your life has been changed by the good news of Jesus? Try some slow. Take some time to see the people in your life and consider how sharing your story could create an invitation for them to know and discover and experience Jesus for themselves. And you can do that as a shy person. You can do that as a bold person. No matter how you choose to share your story as the Bible commands us, we do it with love and we do it with respect to the person we're sharing it with. So the gift of Christmas, receive it, believe in it, and give it. Keep giving it. Keep that gift and letting people open up that gift all year round. So one final thing. And this is where I'm gonna have you guys kind of participate a little bit in the homes or in the car, wherever you find yourself. So what would you put at the end of one of these sentences? Think about it. If you're sitting by yourself in your car, in your house, or with friends, with family, think about it. Everybody pick one that stands out to you maybe the most. What would you put at the end of one of these sentences? And in just a minute, I want you to actually take some time to share that with the people you're sitting with. And if you're by yourself, um, this, uh, whenever you watch this message, uh, I would encourage you to call someone and have this conversation, share with them, a friend, a family member, coworker, classmate, somebody that you can share a little bit about your story of what Jesus has done through you. So we've had some friends from Crossroads send in some of their answers, and I want to read them to you to get us started, and then in just a minute, you guys are going to do that from home. Are you ready? So here's what Nino said. Jesus set me free from myself. Jake said, Jesus has revealed to me that he will always be with me. I've read it, but he has proven it in my life. Tulia said, Jesus helped me to overcome the need to be perfect and rest in the fact that he has made me just as I am. Love that. Tristan said, in Jesus, I have found peace. Oh, 
peace. Where would we be without the peace of God? Sarah said, Jesus revealed to me that he is everything that he made my heart long for. He is the fulfillment of every desire and truth that I know deep down inside. Kyle said, Jesus walked with me through all of my military deployments. Stephanie said, Jesus helped me overcome my eating disorder. Thank you, Jesus. Brad said, all my childhood and early adulthood, I struggled with insecurity and a lack of confidence. In Jesus, I have found myself just as the way I am. Jonah said, Jesus gave me the freedom to forgive. Kaylee said, Jesus has set me free from depression and anxiety. And Don said, Jesus walked with me through my husband's death and grief. Beautiful stories, all equally powerful, all equally wonderful. The Christmas story has changed your story and it's changed my story. And if you've never found hope in Jesus, forgiveness of sins, would you, would you reach out to us? Would you call us? Would you phone a friend that you know loves God and have that conversation with them that you wanna come to know Jesus as your savior? And if you know Jesus as your savior, you have a story, begin to seek God on how you can share it with those around you. So in closing, we're gonna leave these questions up on the screen for about 10 minutes. And I want you uh, to sit with your friends or family and have this conversation. Give everybody a chance uh, who can answer this and is willing to give them a chance to share it. And uh, before I close this in prayer, I just wanna let you know one last final thing is I can't think of a better way of going into the 2022 than with worship and praise and prayer. So New Year's Eve, right here at the Uinta Combe Road campus, we're gonna have a time of praying and singing and worship from 6 p.m. to midnight. All are welcome. Please come and please join me as I close this in prayer. God, I thank you for this morning. I thank you that you're not done writing our story. Uh, Lord, bring salvation to those who need it. Rescue those who need it. Bring deliverance to those who need it, Lord. Uh, give hope and healing to those who need it. Give boldness to those who uh, are, are feeling shy about sharing their story. Uh, give confidence in God for those who are questioning whether their story is worth even telling. Renew their mind. Help them to see it. Uh, see their story is valuable and significant because you are valuable and significant. And more than anything, may we help keep the gift of Christmas being open all throughout the year. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, friends. Have a great day.